1: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at Pastor Scott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Good to be with you today. Hope you had a good 4th of July. That will be yesterday. Uh, that will make today the 5th of July. And uh, you know what? I got to tell you something. It's great to be with you. And, uh, you know, we had day off yesterday, had a good time uh, with the family and everybody, but it's always great to be back and to talk to you. One of the great things about having a radio call-in show like this one is that we can connect with our audience and do ministry with people who may not be... Um, actually asking the same questions that they would uh, anywhere else. It's an amazing thing. And one of the biggest Christian talk show, probably the biggest Christian call-in talk show, I think, is New Life Live with Steve Arterburn. He's going to be with me here in just a minute. Here's some examples of calls that come in during his program, New Life Live.
3: After work, I listen to you, I drive home to you, and it just helps me with questions that I'm having with my marriage, with my family. Everything.
0: I am so blessed to have new life in my life. I just wanted to say to whoever's listening that you guys saved my life. Every time I'm troubled or I
3: have a problem, I'll cut on new life. And there's always, always
1: something that is said that is helpful to me. By listening, I have learned more than I can ever express about how God wants me to live.
2: Well, people are sure going through stuff today. And with me to talk about that is Steve Arterburn. He is the founder and chairman of New Life Ministries and host of the national syndicated Christian counseling talk show, New Life Live, which was just named the 2023 radio show of the year by the NRB, which is National Religious Broadcasters Organization. And New Life Live can be heard right here on KKLA in Los Angeles or wherever you can find that on your radio app from two to three daily. And also here to tell you that he is going to at our KKLA Impact Pastors Conference at Azusa Pacific University that's coming up on September 21st. Steve Arterburn, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show.
4: Thank you, and uh, thanks for playing those clips. You know, it's wonderful. Over 20 years, we have three people that like the show, and so... uh, Yeah, three people. (laughs) Well, you know, that's
2: all it takes to be the show of the year. Uh, these days. By the way, you're the 2023 show of the year. So we're only halfway through. Does that put a lot of pressure on the second half of the year to live up to that uh, on your show?
4: Well, let me tell you, we we've been trying to win that for 20 years. So (laughs) I think they finally said, look, just give it to the people there. Yeah, well,
2: after all the letter writing and, and, uh, you know, bribes and people calling those people, you know, when you start handing out the phone number of people who vote for that, uh, they'll pay more attention right yeah well it's It's great
4: but it is a great honor to get to do the show and to deal with someone who actually takes your advice you know i Mm. told a mother one time uh, i said i can't kick my son out on the street i said well kick him out onto the driveway if he'll get he'll get hit (laughs) in the street and she said she did it and he is a healthy happy young man now so it's wonderful that they take the advice,
2: and those did. are the those are the best stories. We we need to take the advice. Uh, there is, you know, there is life and freedom in taking good counsel. It's got to be good counsel. Um, it does, you know. Yeah. Obviously, you know. What'd you do for the fourth?
4: Well, uh, my daughter has a boyfriend, and we met their his parents uh, for the first time and spent two hours in a parking lot playing board games like. Uh, categories things like that, taboo, and then the fireworks happened, and
2: so it was. A, it was a wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Now, by display. fireworks, is that a euphemism for a boyfriend you didn't get along, or something else yeah. happened? You you played Monopoly and you overturned the
4: table, and yeah, yeah. No, actually, he's a he's a great kid. His name's Alex, and um, you know, Amelia is a really. She's got ADD. ADHD and dyslexic and has a street wisdom that I wish every young person had. And so she's got a good people picker Hmm. and he's a great kid, great parent. His dad works for Rolls Royce, the airplane division. A lot of people don't know that that's located here in Indiana.
2: Oh, I didn't know that actually. I would have said uh, somewhere in uh, Europe, England, I guess. I would
4: have too. So they make the, the airplane engines. Right. And so anyway, it's uh, it it was a fun time. And uh, anytime you meet someone new and they're not weird, uh, it's always good because yes. there are a lot of weird people in the world. We
2: know that. <laughs> there are. And sometimes those are the stories afterward that you probably shouldn't tell. But, you have, you know, everybody looks at each other like, OK. Yeah. But you said yeah. she's a good people picker. How does a person get to be a good people picker?
4: Well, you know, I think you have to be around uh good people. And uh, you know, I picked her mother, and her mother is a fantastic uh woman, just took some women up to um the Tetons and did Bible teaching for four days. And you know, she's a Bible commentator and uh beautiful and and people love her. They just get engaged to her and she picked me. So, you know, I think I think we did a pretty good job on each other. And she's around that. And so she's got two older brothers and a younger brother, and they all are just really street-wise people. And so it rubbed off on her. But I'm telling you, she we can watch a movie, and she'll figure out the plot before anybody else even thinks about the plot. So she's a great, great kid. Yeah. You know, in,
2: in thinking about that, that, I think, is something that you get calls about, and I get calls about that, is people picking, right? and Yeah. And there, there is a skill or something you at least have to put into practice. Because what I find is, and I'm sure that you find this too, is that so often sometimes that's the relationships, whether it be friends or romantic relationships, continue to be the same relationship over and over again. You know,
4: How does somebody yeah. break through that? Well, first of all, most likely you got back into a relationship too quickly. And so you need to grieve the loss of the one you had. You need to forgive them for leaving you, or whatever it is. And time and questions, I think, are really important. You, you need to slow down, don't be desperate, take your time over time. You know, I wrote a book, um, Finding Mr. Right. And uh, another one, is this the one? And it suggested you go through every holiday with the person. The reason is that gives you a year before Mm. you would make any kind of commitment. And so I think it's time. And then ask them the tough questions. So uh, tell me about pornography and you. And if the guy says never looked at it, that's kind of interesting because most everybody, it's popped up somewhere. But if he says, you know, this is something that was a problem, I uh, dealt with it, I I had these filters on that. you know that. And then tell me why the last relationship didn't work out for you. That's really important. So having uh, the courage to ask questions that might cause you to get answers that would cause you to break up, that's what you need to be doing.
2: Yeah, that is great advice. And I can tell you, for 25 years of marriage counseling, it's a bad thing that uh, when those questions come up for the first time after there's already engagement and the invitations have gone out and you're sitting in front of me and, uh, you know, and you have that conversation and it's the first time they've ever had it. And
4: the courageous people, the brilliant courageous people, stand up at that wedding date and tell people that came, uh, well, we rented this place we got food we 've got uh, great music let 's have a good time but we 're not going to get married tonight because mm. uh it 's just not not the right thing right now. That takes a lot of courage, but boy, does that ever prevent years of pain
2: it does and suffering. yeah, it does you know and i think uh what i 've noticed is that I think that more more lonely than single people are often married people, and uh there 's so much work that uh it's, it's not hard work, but you have to do it. And sometimes it's hard in the marriage, but you've got to have those conversations even after you get married, you know, as we you grow do. older. You
4: know. Yeah, Also, I think uh, one of the things missing in a lot of people's toolkit is the, the ability to repair the relationship when hurt or conflict or something uh, comes up and you make a little bit of a mistake, overreact, whatever. You need to be able to repair that. And uh, I think that's always tough, but always rewarding.
2: Yeah. You wrote a series of books that you call uh, the Freedom Books, 100 Days to Freedom. There are a lot of different subjects. They're great subjects. Overeating, shame, anger, depression, fear, anxiety, you know, and all of these things. There's more than that. And all of those things are things that overwhelm us in our own life. But I think that today there's a social pressure on some of those things to not deal with them. Have you experienced that, for example, overeating? You know, there's one that says, well, now it's fat shaming if you bring it up. So we can't talk about it. Eat
4: whatever you want. Yeah. And that seems like it's a new pressure. Well, I'm I'm glad somebody did some fat shaming on me. Uh, you know, I used to weigh 60 pounds more than I do. Now, they didn't have to do that. But Um, I do see, uh, on the one hand, people saying, I need to be comfortable with this body that I have that's too large for most people, but I'm going to learn to become. But on the other hand, when it comes to gender and things like that, if I don't feel comfortable, then I need to change my gender is the message Mm. there. So it's really uh, interesting to see the different messages in different places. My guest is New Life Live,
2: Steve Arderburn, and uh, you can go to his website, newlifelive.com to learn more. You know, Steve, let's talk about the, the gender question because we get into that so often today. But a lot of it has to do with trying to find a a way to be comfortable with things that uh, really need to be dealt with in another way.
4: Well, it All other ways certainly should be explored, anybody struggling. And and there are different types of struggle. One is a person who maybe even they were misidentified by a physician as to their gender because uh, sometimes it's confusing at at, uh, birth. But there are other folks that they're just following a trend. And it would be so great if someone would help them find online all of these folks who have made the transition and are angry, uh, upset that somebody didn't stop them from making some permanent changes. And that group of people is growing. Mm. And, you know, here's the thing. No matter what you choose to do, you must realize this. I've never seen this uh, refuted. No one thing changes everything. I mean, even accepting Christ you, you must now be discipled, and the sanctification process needs to take place, and you need to grow in character. Uh, even if you're delivered, most people—I um, mean, if you're delivered from something, miraculous, wonderful, but you're not delivered into character, you still have work to do.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, when we're uh, we're thinking about that, what advice would you give to parent or grandparent or even a friend? who is in that situation where maybe they're dealing with a child or grandkid who is getting sucked into these conversations that where they're going to make, you know, life changing decisions that most of the time they're going to regret. And I think that's different. I was remembering that when I was younger maybe high school age there was this goth movement and everyone dressed in black and dog collars and stuff but they weren't doing anything permanent right they just hide those pictures today or laugh at them but they grew out of it now people are making health decisions that are lifelong you know what advice do you give parents at a very
4: young age they're not making them the parents are letting them move that direction that's right and we we went to a pediatrician for years Same pediatrician. And uh, the last time we were there, um, he was talking about transitioning a child Hmm. and uh, these parents wanting this for the child. And we just couldn't go back there because, you know, it really is child abuse in my mind to take a child and change and, and do surgery and things like that and start with the hormones. I would recommend that every uh, parent that think that's a good thing, uh, that they just Google sprinkle. He's got a uh, a, uh, a podcast and Helena, and listen to her story because she was transitioning from woman to man, taking testosterone, and she discovered something that it, it was uh, kind of getting swept up in like a cult. And she looked at the women with eating disorders and what they were posting. She said it was almost identical, hmm. same thing. And so then she started doing research. Brilliant woman. But I tell you, you have to think twice after you see the interview with her.
2: And that would be if people Google uh, literally Sprinkle and Helena, H-E-L-E-N-A, you'll come up with yeah. it. You'll see it right on top. I just did that, actually. And so yeah. it's it's right there. And, I, you know, these stories of detransition are more and more common today. And that's another reason to put the brakes on if you're thinking about this. And I know people, I've got people in my extended family who have said, well, you know, we're letting our child grow up and pick their gender and whatever. And you're going, well, I think he's picked. But uh, uh, there's a lot of social pressure to head this way, uh, particularly for young people. What's the best step out? Is it to listen to these stories?
4: It is. And, you know, um, a pastor, my previous pastor, uh, was counseling a guy that wanted to transition. And all of a sudden, of course, he stops coming. And six months later, uh, he comes to church and he's wearing a dress and he's made the transition. And my pastor saw, recognized him, her, and went over and gave a big hug and said, I'm so glad you're back. Now, really, that that's that's the Jesus mm-hmm. response. You're, you're not going to change that person when they've, uh, made that transition. And your hope is to be Jesus to them all through the process. And people that threaten or or disown a child, uh, I think that's the worst reaction that you could possibly have.
2: I think that is is really critical. You know, And today the church is going to have to deal with this. Pastors, people in church, we're the one place that can tell the truth with grace and yep. mercy. But we have to be able to do that. And with the politics and other things involved, I don't know that the, the church has wrapped its arms around how to do this yet. You know, you're going to speak at our pastor's conference. This is we're talking to Steve Arterburn. He's the founder and chairman of New Life Ministries, newlife.com. I think I said com earlier, but it's newlife.com. And, you know, when you think about this, and you're going to talk to pastors, you know, by extension, you're also talking to anybody who's listening right now, right, because you're impacting them. What do pastors need to do on subjects like this?
4: Well, I want to clarify that I'm probably um, as conservative as anyone in my beliefs uh, that uh, anyone that you would find. I don't uh, practice those beliefs and push them on people, and, and I'm not on that side of it. I'm not the moralist person who thinks everybody's bad, and I'm certainly not the hedonist on the other end of the spectrum that thinks everything's okay. I am a very conservative uh, Christian, but I know this, conservative Christians need to put love at the front of everything that they do. And so I would say to any pastor, hey, you need to read some stuff. You need to listen to some people. You need to listen to people that have gone through it. You need to know folks, and you if you have any bitterness, resentment, anger, you need to resolve that, because um, we've got a great opportunity here to help people, help people find Christ, because they discover, I just made this big change here, and it didn't make everything go away that I hated.
2: That, I think, is uh, <clears throat> its very good advice, that we have to listen. You know, I think that we fail. Yeah. We fail to listen to each other. That's true in our marriages, right? That's true in um, – there's a comedian. Uh, I think he's a Christian, actually, and one of the funniest things he goes, you know, I've been married 17 years, and we keep having this conversation, and she keeps saying to me, you're not listening to a word that I say. And he said, you know, I've always heard that part. You know, <laughs> he just hasn't heard the rest of it. Right. Uh, you know, and we're yeah. so divided kind of as a, a country. What's the best way to listen to somebody who well, is coming actually- to you – know,
4: you actually have to want to hear what the person is going through. You have to, uh, you know, if you're a narcissist, you have no empathy for this person, that this has been a struggle, that, you know, people don't just wake up in the morning and go, I think I'll make this change. They they get lured into it. And, you know, in the beginning, when after Al Gore invented the uh, Internet, uh, you know, people... They'd say, well, you can't believe that because it's just off the Internet. You can't trust that. Now, people, that's their whole source of information hmm. is social media and trends and other folks. And it's just so sad to me that they get caught up in it. And so I listen. I care. i If you're a pastor, you have to literally want the best for this person, not criticizing them and judging them. But you have to want the best and share with them how you feel. Share with them what you want for every person. If you feel the need uh, to do that, I think they probably know already what you think and feel. But be available. And when they leave your office, hopefully they will have a sensation. That guy really cared about me. He really wanted to make a connection. It's that kind of listening that makes a difference.
2: And that matters a lot. Pastors, if you're listening, the KKLA Impact Pastor Conference is September 21st. It's at Azusa Pacific, and there's information at KKLA.com. So I want you to click on that. Thursday's free. And uh, Steve Arterburn will be one of the presenters there. We're looking forward to that. Steve, at New Life, you have lots of different... Uh, ministries, and you offer a lot of help in different ways. The radio show, of course, that's on every day, and the uh, ability for people to call in. Also, there are uh, seminars and events going on. Some of them are online. You've got one coming up this week. Uh, Which one is
4: it this week? Well, Saturday is Every Man's Battle, and we don't—we usually do them face-to-face, but uh, twice a year, we do them online for people that just can't travel, and it's just not an option. This one. Is on Saturday. It's a one-day every man's battle. It is the least expensive. It is the easiest to access. And if you're a wife or a sister or mother, this is the time to say to this guy, "Hey, it's time that you get some help here." Uh, And if you're a man, you come and it's. We had a guy on our radio program that it changed everything. The one-day online uh, seminar. It's surprising how much progress you can make we get you started we change your trajectory and i don't think anybody's ever regretted coming to one of these online uh, seminars for every man's
2: battle I encourage everybody to go to newlife.com, click on events or go to newlife.com slash workshops and you see some of these. So the everyman's battle. And, and if you haven't figured it out, that's about sexual addiction and pornography for men and lapses in their sexual integrity. You said it earlier, you know, it used to be uh, more complicated, but now it's on the Internet. It's everywhere. And you, yeah. you're you're not going to avoid it. You need to learn how to uh,
4: deal with it. Well, and you know, people question – whether it's a real addiction. Mm. And I have to tell you, uh, it, it is. And if if you have become accustomed to looking at pornography and all that goes with it, and then you just make a decision, I'm not going to do this ever again. And it just comes flood. It'd be like being a recovering alcoholic and every uh, five minutes somebody comes in and says, here, would you like a bottle of vodka? I mean, it, right. it's it's so so pervasive. And so I give guys a lot of credit for sticking with it, for sustaining their victory, getting in a life recovery group, uh, have Christ as your higher power, but you need all the help you can get to stay on the course that we help you set at every man's battle. Uh that's coming up July 8th,
2: so check it out, go to newlife.com. Uh Steve Arderburn, thanks for being with me and on the Pastor Scott show.
4: And yeah, and I'll see you at, at the uh, Impact Conference. I'm really s- looking forward to
2: that. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. Impact Pastors Conference, September 21st, Azusa Pacific University, right here in the L.A. area. So go to kkla.com and click the Impact Pastors Conference banner to learn more about that. Uh, Steve Arderburn, thanks for being with me, and thanks for everything you're doing, and congratulations on your, your award. Did they give you a trophy, or is it a, or is it a uh, printout or something? What do they give you? It was a
4: well, it was a plexiglass thing and a little certificate also, so all right, uh, got it, you know, I, I sleep with it, and uh, it's it's fantastic.
2: All right, well, very good. Well, thanks for joining me on The Pastor Scott Show, and uh, everybody, the website again is newlife.com, newlife.com. Steve Arterburn, thanks for being with us. This is The Pastor Scott Show. we will be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay
1: tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at scott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show.
3: So what's preventing a visitor from bringing in anthrax or something that's not magnetic into the White House. No, look, I totally understand the question, but it is under investigation.
1: Does the White House support the
2: prosecution of this individual? I'm
3: just not going to get into hypotheticals from here. Would the president be satisfied with, sir, this is a busy room and... We found some cocaine.
0: Uh, We don't know who brought it. So let's see what the Secret Service says, right? How determined is the president to get to the bottom who brought illegal drugs into the White House?
3: The president thinks it is incredibly important to get to the bottom of this.
2: That was Corrine Jean-Pierre today at the White House dealing with something she probably did not expect to have to deal with on July 5th. And that is that they found uh, cocaine in the White House. They found cocaine in the White House and uh, that story is true. You're following that? They found it in the West Wing. Okay. So it's not just like uh, somewhere in the White House. This is uh, John Miller on CNN. So,
5: no. Um, that's a possibility. They
2: asked it. Uh, so, what's happening is people are going, oh, it must be Hunter Biden, right? It must be Hunter Biden, and Hunter Biden is uh, the one. But actually, it could be. It certainly could be. And I think that's what people initially think, because he clearly has been bragging about uh, his use of that. But it also could be somebody else. Here is
5: John Miller talking about that. So, no, um, that's a possibility, because people who come through uh, the tours uh, go through there. But that area is, you know, there's a you've been through that entrance. I've been through that entrance. It's a. Uh, There's a canopy right there. It comes in off the street. And then you go in there. There's a bunch of cubbies where you put your phones if you're going to one of those restricted areas where you can't carry a phone. So what he's talking about is in the west wing of the
2: White House. Have you ever done a White House tour? Have you ever had an opportunity to do that? By the way, this is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557 if you'd like to join the conversation. Uh, If you have a regular White House tour— the way they do it now is you go in through the East Wing and you're, you're examined. You got dogs, you got all these things, you know, drug sniffing dogs, bomb sniffing, sniffing dogs, and just, and all kinds of different kinds of security. I can't imagine how you would get drugs or something like that in through the East Wing where the tours go. Uh, the tours are self guided, by the way. When I got the, uh, when I got the tour, uh, I, I they sent an email that said, uh, you're approved for the tour and it's a self-guided tour. You can stay as long as you want. The email actually said that. And I called Christy. I said, Christy, uh, we're moving to Washington. I'm not leaving the Blue Room. I'm just never going to leave. We're going to live in the White House. They said I could stay as long as I want. Um, but I had an appointment. But I was in there for four hours. But I'll tell you something, that tour doesn't go into the West Wing. In order to get into the West Wing, you have to know somebody who gives you a special personalized tour. They don't let you just wander around, you know, with a headset on, you know, in the uh, West Wing, you know, with somebody's voice that says, This is the Oval Office. This is where President Biden sits. It doesn't work that way. You've got somebody with you. So the cubbies that he's talking about are where is where they found these this cocaine apparently – Although the story changes a little bit, but it has been tested. It is cocaine. And he continues to talk about
5: what's going to happen there. Uh, Like the Situation Room or somewhere else uh, where people can put other belongings. uh, And it was found right by where those cubbies are. So that could be a staffer. That could be a member of the press who was there for a specific interview with someone on that side of the West Wing. Uh, What they're going to do is look at the video. Uh, What does the video tell you? Was it Friday? Was it Saturday? Or was it there before and just unnoticed? Uh, they'll look at the logs. Okay, who signed in? Who were they going to see? Uh, but there's more than that. The powder has been sent to Fort Detrick for second round of testing to see, okay, it tested positive for cocaine. Is there anything else in it that could be hazardous or weaponized? Uh, the container it came in, which is about the size of a postage stamp, like a dime bag, Ziploc. Uh, they'll be looking to see if they can extract a print from that or DNA. So they're going to go through a lot of motions before they are at the stage where they're going to need to interview people. So
2: that is John Miller and CNN talking about this cocaine found in the White House. You know, it's something that's crossed my mind as I'm thinking about the story. It's it's almost joke worthy, except it's not really funny. And many of you have gone through this where it's a family member who is so addicted to some kind of substance, or maybe it's alcohol or something else, that they do something really stupid and they bring it, you know, to their place of employment or to some public place or some government facility. In this case it's the White House. Um so there's a serious element to this and obviously with that. Plus it's a national security thing. Who that's a lot of the questions that are being brought up is who in the world would bring cocaine to the white house other than you know if it's hunter biden it could be he was there i guess uh tuesday and and uh, monday but uh it could be as this person is saying it could be a member of the press it could be a white house staffer it's kind of a um a crazy story Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven lydia in santa fe springs welcome to the pastor scott show
3: yeah welcome i listen to you a lot i think you are blessed
2: well thank you lydia
3: you're welcome uh we were talking i was talking to the other guy about the cocaine in the white house i was wondering gee they never had that before i was wondering why would they have that now and who did it that's what i don't understand why would they have that at the white house well cocaine
2: yeah it's a serious thing and they don't know actually who did it yet they're gonna i think they're gonna find out now i read one story that said they're never going to know but i doubt it i would think particularly in the west wing there has to be cameras of everybody going in and out
3: exactly i've been to the white house i've 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 toured i've toured most of the united states so i've been to the white house but i've never seen anything like that before since i went there
2: yeah and i think you know they you have to be careful about when they drop tourists in there because when you went to the white house did you get to go through the west wing
3: yeah, we went all over. Yes,
2: the West Wing, where the Oval Office is, and the Situation Room.
3: Yes, I did. Uh, you're talking about the '80s. I went. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a 80s. different.
2: It was a different time. Yeah, you're right. lucky. I didn't. They didn't let me in over there. Um, oh
3: no, they did. Yeah. To us. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, Lydia, I think you're expressing what a lot of people feel. Thanks for calling and listening to the Pastor Scott Show. Is what would happen? You know, why would this happen? I looked it up, and uh, National Review has an article already. Who brought cocaine into the White House? You know, as I was saying, if you're the White House spokesperson, you probably have in your Fourth of July stuff and whatever, and you probably get a text that says, hey, they found cocaine in the West Wing. Uh, That probably ruined your day. (laughs) And, you know, uh, I looked it up and there have been a few uh, rumors about drug use in the White House. There was a lot of it during the Clinton administration, actually. Uh, one, uh, one person actually wrote a book saying that uh, it was a mess, that there was partying and stuff. And if you were around back then, at the beginning of the Clinton administration, it shaped up later, I think. But uh, people wearing, you know, T-shirts and shorts and nobody's wearing a suit. And uh, Helen Thomas, who was the uh, famous White House press person, I think for the Washington Post or New York Times, forgive me for forgetting who that was, but she was... Uh, The older lady used to sit in the front row and uh, she would ask uh, better questions than we typically get today from most people in the front row in the White House. But um, even though she was clearly on the left with different things, it was a different time then. She actually asked the – it was George Stephanopoulos, I think, who was Clinton's uh, spokesperson. She said, are there any adults working in the White House? That was her question, and there was a lot of rumor about that back then. Uh, there's a story that Willie Nelson tells. Willie Nelson says that uh, he smokes some marijuana on the roof of the White House with uh, somebody in 1980 uh, at some party, and there's a couple other things. But I think this is the first time it's, anybody's been caught with it. So it's a it's a significant thing, and Karine Jean-Pierre was asked today about whether or not there would be drug testing for staff and this was her answer.
1: Will any White House staffers? Will any White House
3: staffers
5: be undergoing drug testing as part of this investigation?
3: So, as you know, um, uh, again, this is under the purview of the Secret Service. But a couple of things that I would add is that White House is subject uh, to rigorous guidelines that include drug testing, and uh, so we will take any action uh, is that is appropriate and warranted pending the outcome of the Secret Service. Just not going to get into hypotheticals from here, uh, but. Uh, uh, you know, this is something that uh, when it comes to uh, drug testing, certainly we take that very seriously. Uh, and so there's, uh, there are indeed rigorous guidelines here at the White House.
2: See, so she doesn't really say and she can't probably say yes, if the answer is indeed yes. But there should have been drug tests immediately, like everybody, every single person who comes into the West Wing, because it's it's not a place where everybody just has access. And you got to be careful about the touristy thing, because uh, unlike Lydia, who went back in the 80s, they they used to have tours in in the West Wing, I think, that were m- more uh, easily uh, uh, achieved, but not anymore. Now there's this regular tour and you go through and it's great, you know, and and uh, you know, I had a great time. I went I went I went through with a bunch of people, but then I realized I don't have to stay with these people, so I went all the way back to the beginning of the tour until I was by myself, and then I was alone. In all of these rooms in the White House, in the main uh, area. And uh, it was fantastic. And then another tour group came in, and I just went all the way back to the beginning and waited for them to go through. And uh, I lived there for a good four hours, and I have 14,000 pictures I need to go through uh, one day uh, of all of that. Um, You got any thoughts about this? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Do you... uh, well, you know what? I was going to ask about, uh, I got a clip I'll play when we get back. I got to take a break. Um, CNN uh, made a funny about this. I'm not sure that it's a joke, but you could hear in that last clip people laughing, uh, but it's a serious, a serious deal, uh, cocaine in the White House. We'll talk about that when we get back. The number is 888 528 888-528-2557. We'll be back as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned.
1: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show Podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at Pastorscott at KKLA.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 PM. Now, back to the show. All right, uh, it is intriguing. Priscilla Alvarez, thank you so much for the latest on that. It
3: was suspected, the field test said cocaine. Yeah. Now these more conclusive lab tests. Yeah.
1: I would like to
0: know blow by blow who is responsible for this.
3: <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> There's no two-step there. No one was injured, as far as Thank we you know. Very... And it's an illicit drug at the White House. <laughs> Why can't you actually have a bit of fun with
0: it? I don't believe in fun.
3: <laughs> no, he doesn't.
2: Uh, that was John Berman, Kate uh, Baldwin, and Sarah Snyder and on CNN. Uh, Sarah Snyder making the joke blow-by-blow blow about the how in the world did cocaine end up in the White House? You know, it's uh, it's hard not to. I'm a person who jokes through a crisis, like in personal life. I'm the one who's probably going to tell jokes, but that's not for everybody. And uh, I got to tell you what, it's a it's a bizarre story. It's going to play out. Somebody's going to get caught. Somebody had to bring that in. I would think, you know, and everybody says Hunter Biden, maybe certainly could be, you know, but it could be uh, somebody you don't expect um, that was the first time I've ever seen anybody laugh on CNN uh, since uh, the old days of Larry King Live. Those were some enjoyable interviews. But uh, CNN is just sort of I – I know that they only have five viewers and people in airports. But, uh, you know, that group in particular seems pretty stiff. So it was uh, – you know enjoyable to see them have a good time i guess through that uh, i watch all the stations by the way somebody always writes me and says you watch cnn that's all fake news well sometimes it is and uh but you know sometimes it's not the fact that they're even reporting it uh is interesting to me although could you imagine if this was the trump white house I mean, there. Don Jr. would already be raked over the coals by so many people. And all of this, if they found this in the in uh, the Trump White House, probably just about any other White House. This one uh, skates on quite a bit, uh, but we'll see. But it may have nothing. That's the other part of it, though. It may have nothing to do with Joe Biden or the Biden administration It could be a reporter. It could be uh, you know, or somebody brought in a friend for a tour, they put it in the cubby and they're like, you know, I brought something important, I can't seem to find it, and they're all nervous about it. Anyway, you know, we'll see what happens. eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Regardless as you think about that, somebody is hurting, right? There's a family who is aware that there's a family member, and it could be the Bidens. And there is a part through that story you have to be, I think, you know, sympathetic. To uh, what happens in any family who's dealing with that, uh, there are certainly good ways or bad ways to deal with it. And uh, you know, Hunter is not dealing with it in an appropriate way, it doesn't seem. Um, and you know, the the thing is, is that all of it tends to be gossipy uh, stuff, and uh, they everybody involved just needs our our prayers and the understanding that if it's not somebody that you know, there's. There's somebody right now who thinks it's their kid, right? Oh, my kid was in the White House on Sunday. I bet it's my kid, right? There's somebody going through that suffering right now, and I think it's important to look at things through a a deeper lens that way. 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. It's good to be with you. What'd you do on the 4th? Did you uh, see the fireworks? Did you... um, Um, buy any... Are are fireworks legal? And I moved from San Diego County. I don't think they're legal anywhere in San Diego County. But when I come to L.A., and uh, I grew up, you know, in Palmdale, and we used to have fireworks all the time. And we'd buy those big, huge boxes of fireworks. And... My friends and I, we did some stuff with those that are pretty dangerous. We learned that I don't even know if I should tell you. This is where this is where Christie would say, "Don't even say this around our kids." Well, they don't have access to it, but we used to like take two of those ones that you light, and they just shoot the flames up in the air. And if you held them real close to each other, they would explode out the sides. It was quite a it was quite a show. And then there was this one called a it was called something flower, some kind of magical flower, and it, you'd light it, and it was this little tube. It was maybe two inches long or three inches long, and you'd light it, and it would spin around on the ground, and it would look like a flower blooming, and it would change colors as the, the uh, powder in it would burn, and uh, they were kind of fun, and they'd leave little marks on your driveway. One time, we lit one of those. My dad and I lit one of those, and it took off straight up like a flying saucer, and it flew up probably six or seven feet in the air and then hovered for a minute. And we all watched as it then took off like like a flying saucer right over our garage. Now, behind our garage was dried Christmas trees because – now, I've inherited this somehow from my father, but whenever you get the real Christmas tree – for some reason, when growing up, and Dad, I love you if you're listening, but uh, you know this to be true, that Christmas tree would be in the living room until, you know, March or April, and then eventually just all brown and everything, and uh, you have to take it out, and it's money to take it out to the dump. And so some, for some reason, they kept getting tossed in the behind our garage, and there must have been four or five back there. <laughs> we didn't have four or five Christmas trees one Christmas. That's four or five years My mother and I got so sick of it one time that uh, we we decided to shove the Christmas tree up the fireplace, uh, which I do not recommend doing, uh, because the uh, black smoke could be seen for miles around, and my father actually saw this coming home from uh, the church one day and thought that the house was burning down, and no, it was me and my mom um, making memories burning the Christmas tree that Dad refused to take out in the fireplace. (laughs) Don't do that. It was a terrible mistake. Plus, we had real fireplaces back then, which not as many people have out here. Anyway, we had all these trees back there, and this this thing takes off, and it floats over the garage and lands back there. And I'll never forget it. My whole family just waited there in complete silence, waiting for the flames to start from behind our garage. And it never happened, and uh, years later, we cleaned it out back there, and sure enough, it it did. It landed right in the middle of all those burnt, those old Christmas trees, and um, uh, it luckily did not start a fire. So I'm driving through. uh, I look around in Los Angeles. This isn't the case in San Diego, although in San Diego when I lived there, uh, I had some neighbors one time who liked to shoot bullets off in the air. Uh, whenever there's something to celebrate, and so we would hang out in the lower level, you know, in the, somewhere because the bullets come down. Did you know that they they do come down? Uh, in fact, I have a friend. I have a friend who got hit by a bullet coming down, and it went right into her leg and like and in lodged into her her ankle. So don't do that. Anyway, in L.A., there's there is fireworks going on everywhere. It's spectacular in in some ways, and I don't know if that's new. Is it legal? Wilbur, is it legal to have these fireworks that are going off everywhere in Los Angeles on 4th of July? Mm, It depends on the area, but no. But no in general. Yeah. (laughs) Because I don't think they're legal anywhere in San Diego. Maybe. Not in California. uh, Yeah. And even in California. But for some reason, everybody's got them in L.A. I mean, they're going off everywhere. I know a lot of people drive out of state and bring them in. (laughs) Yeah, I think you just go to Arizona, you know, go yeah, to, yeah. you go to Yuma and you can eat the Cracker Barrel and get yourself uh, some uh, firecrackers and other yep. stuff and bring them right over. And uh, it is, it's wild. I can't, I can't uh, help but to enjoy it though. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday and I got stopped by a couple in the middle of the street holding up Roman Candles. Yeah. Roman and I had to wait for them to finish. And if you don't know, the Roman candle is this like stick. What is it? It's like, um, it's like another tube, but it's two or three feet long, right? Yeah. And you light it, and, and you have to – the instructions actually tell you to hold it away from your body because it's shooting out flame from one end of it. And the other end of it, it's like a uh, rocket booster on, the, uh, you know, on a rocket going off into uh, space, Elon Musk rockets. Yes. Uh and uh those have been known to blow up, I think, in people's uh hands. But my favorites if you can find a cliffside in LA and you can just see all the fireworks from a distance. Yeah, it is incredible. If you go up on a hill and there's a famous scene because one of the biggest ones I guess was in twenty twenty, you know, when they told you you can't even have your, your firework display. You can't go to a friends' house, you can't do anything fourth of July. Everyone in Los Angeles had fireworks. You can watch videos of it. Like, every house is shooting off fireworks from their house. Uh, you know, that, that day made me proud to be an American. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I, there's, there, I know there are people who get hurt, and I know there are people who have actually had their uh, house burn uh, or have had injuries or things like that. So I know it's, I know it's serious. Uh, let's go to a Raymond and Downey. Raymond, welcome to the Pastor Scott
3: Show. How you doing? Good, Raymond. Thank you for having me on. I was just calling to uh, just comment on the the uh, cocaine that was found in the White House. Oh yeah, it was kind of funny. The guy who was uh, talking about the process and procedures that the White House is going to go through, he referred to the uh, the little package it was found in as a dime bag. Yeah, I don't know where he's got that knowledge from, but that was just kind of hilarious to me. You know, I grew up in LA, born and raised in LA, and back in the day, you know, I'll be fifty three this year, but all my older brothers, you know, used to smoke weed back then. And before they were, he would refer to them as like four-finger lids. And so the dime bags didn't come out, I guess. That term didn't come out until like the 80s or something. But that was, I thought that was kind of hilarious. And um, also uh, the fireworks thing is fireworks in L.A. as well. I, I grew up right by Dodger Stadium. Yeah, um, well, The person you were talking on your show, uh, he's right. There's a lot of fireworks that come in. Uh, From other states, I actually drive across the country, and so I used to drive all the way to uh, Jersey, and right through Pennsylvania, you know, you have all the factories of the fireworks there. But um, it's not illegal. In Los Angeles, they're illegal, but in the surrounding cities, they're not illegal. Like, I I live in the city of Downey, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's perfectly legal, so they had, like, the legal fireworks here, but... um, You know, there's a lot of illegal fireworks out there. Yeah,
2: there are. Well, we saw them all last night. Raymond, thanks for calling to uh, the Pastor Scott Show. Uh, One more call here, Elizabeth. you got like 10 seconds before I have to uh, be done.
3: Oh, hi, Pastor Scott. Go ahead. Yes. I'm calling because you are uh, you wanted to talk about fireworks and um, what's happening in L.A. with the fireworks. And I know that L.A. is just lit up on yeah. uh, 4th of July. I have to. And,
2: do you enjoy it? I got to yeah. go. You do you enjoy it or is it nerve wracking?
3: Oh, and it's nerve-wracking after, like, 11 p.m., and oh, it yeah. goes on all night. Yeah. Elizabeth, so I'm, I'm really out of time. I'm
2: out of time. I thank you for calling. This is The Pastor Scott Show. Hey, when we come back, I've got uh, Anthony Cabasa, who is a Internet uh, reporter, and uh, I think you're going to like that interview. He'll be on The show, Pastor Scott Show as the Wednesday edition of The
0: Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned